Hello and welcome to here's Johnny's Reviews and Carpenter Cult Classics. My look at classics such as The Fog, Christine, Princess Darkness and this week's classic, They Live. Coming out 30 years ago and speaks more to today's world than it did back then. Based off a 50s book, 8 o'clock in the morning, where a man is hypnotised and can see the world for what it really is, i.e. ran by aliens. Which sounds like a David Icke conspiracy theory that the filthy rich are actually an alien race keeping us humans down at all costs. Or as I've been saying for years, the rich get richer, the middle class bitching more about it being unfair, whereas the poor get it in the ass. This was Carpenter's swipe at Reaganomics of the 80s, where you let the rich run wild, buying up everything, and sooner or later they might let some money trickle down to the lower classes. Where if you wanted a good life, you had to put yourself in debt to keep up for the Joneses, buying more and more useless junk as the media tells you how to think, what to feel, where to shop, and why you need it. Wait a minute here, isn't that like today's generation? Hmm, world even? Where people will willingly drop over a thousand dollars for an iPhone or buy the next big thing because it's a must-have gadget? Okay then, a useless tat for a stupid generation. As my father once said, never live beyond your means. That's about the only good piece of advice he gave me. Oh yes, that, and never mix your drinks. Stick to one drink all night. Anyway, on with the show. Starring Roddy Piper, Keith David, Meg Foster, Peter Jason and Buck Flower, directed by John Carpenter. The plot, a drifter finds out the world is being overrun by aliens after finding a special pair of sunglasses. And we see the world for what it actually is. Can he get people to believe him, or is the world actually doomed? So, the movie opens up on Lone Drifter, Nara, played by the late WWE Hall of Famer, Rowdy Roddy Piper, as he walks through downtown Los Angeles circa 1988 to a blues riff theme, which was supposed to be timed on Piper's walk. And for a low-budget movie, this looked great. Still amuses me how much Carpenter can do with such a small budget. This was a $4 million budget and it pulled in over $12 million. And yet this was critically panned and was indeed thought as a flop, hence giving it a cult status. Piper wanted this movie to feel real because as a teenager he was homeless. In fact, he says boxing and then wrestling saved his life as he was a bit of a nomad in younger years. Still was actually. No, still was. So... He got Carpenter to hire actual homeless people for the entirety of the shoot. And I should say this pissed off WWE owner Vince McMahon so much that Piper refused to make this movie under his thumb that he created the WWE Studios and gave the first movie to Hulk Hogan, the painfully night to watch 1989 No Hold Bars. Anyway, Carpenter being a huge wrestling fan growing up on Southern Kentucky Wrestling, he was thrilled. When at WrestleMania 3, he and Piper became friends and he agreed to work with him on this movie. Back to the movie, we see that Nada at the unemployment office looking for work and then getting told there's nothing for him. Yeah, because a skilled carpenter and construction worker has no work in the late 80s. Okay then. And I will say, before I jump into this movie even more, Nada is not his name in this thing. In fact, it's called John Nader in some places, but it's never actually said what his name actually is in the movie. But I'm going to use Nada because that's what the most of the people call it, is Nada, meaning Spanish for nothing. And he was a nothing, a complete nobody everyman. So anyway, that night, Nada makes his way to an alleyway and huddles around an open fire over an old 
oil drum. The next morning, he gets to a construction site and begs for a job. He's told, however, this is a union job, until he points out the Mexican low-paid workers in the back. It's here he meets Frank, played by Keith David of The Thing, Pitch Black, Armageddon, and multiple TV shows and video games, including Saints Row IV, where he sends himself up and parodies the fight scene in this movie, but more on that one later. Frank tells him about a shanty town where Nada can sleep that night. Uh, we then get shots of the shanty town and Frank introducing Nada to camp leader Gilbert, played by Peter Jason of Prince of Darkness, last week's movie, check my archives, In With Madness and 48 Hours. He tells him if he is good with his hands, things I need him fixing around the camp, such as the showers. So over dinner, Frank tells Nada about his family back in Detroit that he hasn't seen in over six months. Also, that when the steel mills were in trouble, the workers eased off a little bit and gave them a little bit of a break. Except all the CEOs done was give themselves a fat raise. And then closed down the steel mills. Sounds like ten years ago when they gave themselves a huge backhand pay rise. Moving on. The golden rule. He has the gold, makes the bloody rules. That night, as the homeless watched the TV, the lead bum, played by Puck, uh, Buck Flowers of Back to Future 1 and 2, The Fog, Wishmaster, and dozens of other movies and TV shows, but he plays a bum. He watches TV and complains he gets a migraine every time the resistance breaks the TV broadcast to warn us about the alien overlords. The quote, movement, as they call themselves, talk about how there is social and racial unrest, there is more and more poor people, and we're told to shut up and buy the latest gadgets. We have no free thought anymore, and it's all about me and greed. Sounds like today, right? Hmm, look at Trump's America, where it is a battle of the races, sexes and sexuality, and of course the quote, other. Whatever that other would be. Maybe Camter was on something back in 1988. Man doesn't care unless it affects him directly. It's me versus them. Wanting everything handed to him on a silver platter with no consequences. Much like millennials or generation me. Anyway, back to the movie, enough of my politics. Nada notices Gilbert taking the street preacher into the old church across from the shanty town. As the next morning, Nada questions Gilbert as to why the choir practice went on to 4am. Yet more from the movement telling us we're getting put asleep as the rich get richer on the TV. This gets completely interrupted and ripped off the air within seconds. So Gilbert runs to the church where Nada follows him, finding it completely empty and a facade for the movement, also finding sunglasses in multiple boxes and scientific equipment scattered all over the place. In a cubby hole, he finds boxes of sunglasses as on a wall, it's pre-painted, they live, we sleep. A helicopter buzzes the shantytown, Nada stakes out the church and then tells Frank about the sunglasses but he doesn't want to listen to the truth. That night, the cops raid the shanty town, destroying everything and arresting everyone as the movement's leaders try to get away. Frank and Nada run for it. When Nada sees the movement leaders getting caught and or roughed up, he does absolutely nothing and just walks off. He helps the teenager, however, hide in one of the many, many empty houses. As next morning, he returns to the shanty town, finding it flattened. He returns to the church, finding it completely trashed and gets his stash of sunglasses. He puts on a pair of sunglasses and sees the world for what it really is. Billboards with hidden subliminal messages, messages everywhere including on the money, and worst of all, the ghoulish looking aliens that control absolutely everything. The billboards say, marry and reproduce, sleep, no thought, and of course consume. And I wonder who did all these blank with only one phrase, newspapers, books, and other goods that must have been time consuming. Hmm, 
Anyway, Nara heads into a grocery store while he insults an alien, so she tells others via a Dick Tracy-like wristwatch device thingy. The cop aliens try to reason with Nara, asking how would he got the sunglasses, but Nara shoots them and sells a shotgun from the squad car, walks into a bank, aware of the infamous line, I've come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass by a lot of gum, comes from as he shoots up the bank, killing all the aliens. And a legend has it, paper held over his promo book of insults to Carpenter to be used throughout the movie, but only a few were selected and this was the juiciest one. An alien that Nada missed reports back to the HQ on his watch and then teleports away before he'd being shot. Nada escapes out the back door of the bank, shoots down a drone, hides in a car park where he kidnaps Holly, played by Meg Foster of Master Universe, 31, Jeepers Creepers and multiple TV shows, including Hercules, where she played Hera. They go back to her place and Nada tries to explain things to her, but she doesn't want to listen. Instead, smashes him over the head with a bottle and he takes a nosedive out of the window. It's here, she tells him, she works for Channel 54, the main TV channel of the entire city of Los Angeles. Nada, now badly injured and without glasses, must hide from the aliens and humans alike after shooting up the bank and killing dozens of people. The next morning, Nada returns to work site to get help from Frank, but Frank chases him off as the TV has plastered his face absolutely everywhere and he is a mass murderer. So he has no choice but to turn to the alley way where he stashed uh, the sunglasses, but it's too late, they're gone as the garbage has been emptied. However, he sees the garbage men aren't out of the alley yet, so goes into the back of the garbage truck to find his stash. Frank shows up out of nowhere and has Nada his one day wages. And here it is folks, the other reason why this movie is so bloody famous, the six minutes balls to the wall fight between Frank and Nada over Frank not wanting to wear the sunglasses. And note, this fight was choreographed over five weeks, and according to the behind the scenes, Piper and Keith David actually made contacts in some of the punches. In fact, in the scene, Piper smashes the car windshield with the 2x4. That wasn't in the script, and that was Keith David's real reaction. He was mad. So finally, after that knockdown slobber knocker, of a fight, Nada tells Frank to wear the sunglasses and he sees the world for what it really is in all its monotonal alien reflecting glory. With that, they head back to Frank's room at the local men's shelter and why didn't he sleep there the other night sitting sleeping in the shanty town, looking very much worse for wear, they come up with a plan to join the resistance. The next day, Gilbert hunts down Frank and Nada, talking about the movement HQ and where to go that night at 11pm where they arm up and get themselves some contact lenses instead of sunglasses. But wait a minute here, I thought the longer you wore sunglasses, the larger the headache you got from wearing them. So now you have to wear these things constantly? Okay then. Gilbert tells Nada that not all cops are aliens. However, the humans have to team up with them to become rich and super powerful. As on TV, the now dead leader, hmm, talks about however since 1958 the planet's air has become toxic and the climate has been heating up changing it to suit the aliens hmm i wonder was it the alien of uh, the the body snatchers hmm now armed to the teeth frank and nada head to channel 54 where handily holly works as she just so happens to turn up just as Nada was about to leave. Does that sound suspicious much? Hmm. The HQ is then struck hard by the police and they kill most of the movement. What's left of the movement run down alleyways and take on the police as Holly runs out of the front door untouched by cops. Now trapped in a blind alley, Frank gets out 
off there by using one of the aliens' watches as they escape down the LA tunnels. Now in underground tunnels, they find soldiers using the PKE meter from the Ghostbusters as a comm device. Why use a famous prop from another more popular movie? That is beyond me. Why? How hard do they make a bloody comm device up for crying out loud? In the tunnels, Nada and Frank stumble onto a ballroom and a secret meeting of the rich aliens and humans, talking about how by 2025 the world will be fully taken over. Up walks Buck Flowers, he's street bum, now in a tuxedo and extremely rich. He gives them a guided tour, including showing them the teleporter room, where the aliens zoom back to their own planets. He then shows them the main satellite feed control room, and how and why does a low-level new recruit know so much information? Hmm, very plot convenient. He even shows them the TV show where the news comes from, Nada shoots the two guards, just haphazardly guarding the door. And then the former bum explains there is no more countries, no more bad guys, no more good guys. Only the super rich and huge companies, much like Apple and the House of the Mouse, that control everything, so just join up or die. Now rearmed, Frank and Nada blow up the TV studio and take out all the aliens. Nada and Frank head to a roof, taking out alien soldiers, as they do. Out of nowhere, Holly shows up to lead them to the roof. Uh, no baby, but that's suspicious. Uh, Nada takes out more alien soldiers, heading back to the roof. Surprise! Holly shoots Frank in the head, then heads to the roof to stop Nada. Up on the roof, surrounded by helicopters, Nada kills Holly, then shoots the power cell for the one satellite dish and blows up sky high. So one satellite dish controls the entire world. Okay then. He is then gunned down by the helicopters, dying, giving them the middle finger. Every single TV station is now showing the alien's true face, including a dig at Siskel and Ebert, as two film critics bitch and moan about violence in movies, and how bad Romaro and John Carpenter actually is. The world now see the real world as they're ruled by aliens, as credits roll. So, that was They Live, as much as in touch with the consumer lifestyle today as it was back then. Great acting from Roddy Piper. Dare I say it, he is one of the better wrestler actors. And I love that the movie had balls to have a downer ending, as not all movies had a happy ever after. This is plain and simply a must watch. I'm going to give this thing 9 out of 10. So come back next week for my look at the Final Destination movies. Uh, and if you like this podcast, leave a like, comment and follow. Also follow me on Twitter at Here's Johnny's Pod. Email me movie suggestions to Here's Johnny's Reviews at gmail.com. Check out my franchise podcast of Star Wars, Mad Max, Psycho, Omen and more. Also my solo podcast of Aliens, Die Hard, Batman Returns and uh, many, many more. And a uh, bye-bye. Now I'm off to chew gum while kicking ass.